Good morning, Field of Church. How's everyone doing? Woo! All right. I, I got, this is the second time I'm hearing this video and this, like, epic voice. I'm, like, super envious. <laughs> Anyways, hey, it's good to see all of you here today. My name is Dave. I am the planter and pastor of Icon Church, a church plant that you, Fielder, has sent to serve the people living in Plano. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a blessing. Thank you for being a partner in the gospel with us. Really, we can't do what we're doing without our partnership. And so, uh, man, can we just give God a hand praise? All right. All right, all right. Okay. I want to dive into uh, the text today. I'm excited for what God is going to do today. But some of you guys are like, it's Dave, who are you? And so I want to kind of share a little bit of my story with you as we begin uh, the story in the text. Uh, so for me, I, my story begins as the son of Korean immigrant parents who immigrated to the States when I was five. And like many immigrant stories, for me, my story began with me growing up thinking and believing that love was something I had to earn. And so throughout my life, I tried my best to achieve and succeed and do various different kinds of things to stack as many chips as possible, as many wins as possible to somehow prove that I was worthy of love. For me, an A minus was an F. And anything less than perfect was unacceptable. And you would think that, hey, if you like, receive Jesus and you believe in the gospel, somehow that would change. But, but y'all, I just got to say, I was so used to functioning in my dysfunction. And I just didn't know how to operate with a different reality. And so eventually this uh, saying yes to Jesus led me into ministry and led me into seminary. And, and so I was in our version of kind of community group sharing my life story uh, with our group. And afterwards, one of the brothers pulled me aside, and he was like, Dave, like, as I was hearing your story, it was good and all, and man, I was really impressed by all these achievements and things that you've done in your life. But it just made me kind of wonder, if your life was in a movie, who would the, the hero of your story be? Who would the hero of your story be? This is a question that I really want us to wrestle with today as we dive into this text. Because this question, who your hero is, matters because your story matters. So today, as we continue our series through the book of Exodus and hear from the story of Moses, I would like to explore three reasons why our stories matter. And through Moses' story, we're going to uncover who the real, the real hero is. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 18. And we're going to be working through verses 1 through 12. Exodus 18, verses 1 through 12. Text will be on the screen. And so for the sake of time, I'm going to jump in, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say Amen. All right, that's a lot of you. Okay, I'm impressed. All right, Exodus 18, verses 1 through 12. 
It says this, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So a little context here. Moses was a man who had a family, and he too had in-laws, okay? So Jethro is his father-in-law, and it describes him as a priest, as a religious leader of the Midian, of Midian. But Midianites were distant relatives, distant cousins of the Israelites through their ancestor Abraham, all right? And it says that Jethro was keeping track of everything that was happening to his son-in-law. Let's continue reading verse 2 through 4. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. In the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. So sometime in a, in, in a part of Moses' story in, in Egypt, in a time we don't really know exactly when or why, it says that Moses decided to send his wife Zipporah and his two sons back to Jethro, perhaps out of fear for their safety. This little nugget here, I, it, it's important for us to remember that Moses was just a man like you and me. He was not some sort of superhero. He was not some sort of super being. He was a man just like us who had fears and who had a family just like us. And so for Moses to say yes to God's calling, he had to also say yes to being apart from his family just like a soldier goes off to war. You see, this reminds us that if when we say yes to God's calling, there is a cost. And sometimes to say yes to God's kingdom, you must choose to you must choose conviction over your comfort. And so here it says that Moses had a cost to pay. Now Moses here in the story chooses this moment to introduce the names of his two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And these names are important for us to consider. Because it tells us something. It says Gershom, which in the Hebrew means foreigner or stranger. This name Gershom reminded Moses that he was a cultural misfit. He was born as an Israelite, grew up as an Egyptian, and later on ran off to live among the Midianites as a stranger in a foreign land. And the second son is Eliezer, which means God is my help. And this reminded Moses that even through the trials and the tribulations in his life, even through 40 years in the wilderness, even under the oppression of Pharaoh, he is not alone because the Lord is his help. You see, for Moses, these names that, of his sons, these names were not just names. Each of these names told a story from Moses' life. This brings me to the first reason why our stories matter, and the first reason being because our lives tell a story. Our lives tell a story. As I was reflecting on this, I couldn't help but think about my family, and actually 
This is going to make him really nervous, but <laughs> actually my son is here with me today. Actually, my son and wife. Can we just welcome my, my family real quick for me? All right. <laughs> Putting him on the spot. All right. But this reminded me of my son Gabriel and the, the season that we went through as a family in his birth. Because you see, when my uh, wife was pregnant with Gabriel, I was just a green year college, recent college grad that had no job. No money, no car, no health insurance, uh, nothing to my name. And we were living in this like Amish field, Mennonite territory of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Like literally I would come outside and get a big waft of that cow manure, okay? Um, it was epic, all right. But we were in a time and in a season, especially with my wife being an immigrant from China, we were trying to figure out all of these different things and how, how do we make everything settle down? How do we prepare for this kid? And everything seemed like it was, I was in over my head. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling helpless and weak. But God, in his mercy, in his kindness, provided for each of our needs through the grace and generosity of strangers we don't know. And so as we were having our son, we decided to name him something that had meaning for us, to remember this truth. So we named him Gabriel, which means the, the Lord is my strength. That God is my strength. And even now, as I'm going through hard seasons of life, and even now, as we are going through the trials of church planting, I only need to look at my son to be reminded that even when I'm weak, God is there for me with strength that only he can supply. Amen, church? And so our stories matter because first our lives tell a story. Let's continue reading from verse 5. It says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Pause. I was just cracking up, so Jethro let, at least let Moses know he's coming. Because uh, I don't know if you have parents like this, but at least in Korean culture, they're not going to let you know they're coming. They're just coming to your door. They're going to knock, knock. Who's there? I'm your parents. Right? There's no, there's no time for preparation. All right, that's a total aside. Let's go continue verse 7. All right, so it says, uh, Moses, all right, come back, y'all. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. And some of you guys just stopped at the word kiss. They're like, why are they kissing? All right. So in our culture, we would find it really odd if you came to Fielder Church this morning and someone bowed down and kissed you, right? At least I think everybody would think that's strange. All right. Uh, but because it's not something that we consider normal, but in their culture and day and age, this was very normal as this was a gesture of honor, Right. But thank God that this is not something we continue right now because otherwise no one would want to be in the Fielder Welcome team, okay? And so that's a lot of, that's a lot of chapstick, y'all, all right? All right, let's keep reading. Verse 8, then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. So in verse 8, we see Moses 
with his father-in-law, and it seems like they have a great relationship, which is a huge blessing, right? And it says that Moses started to tell his father-in-law the story. But the interesting way, the interesting thing about the way that Moses tells his story is that Moses, as the the key leader, the guy, the head honcho of Israel, could have easily told the story uh, to, to, you know, talk about how great he is and all his accomplishments and his wisdom, his insight, his leadership, his skills, and talk about his resume, right? He could have projected strength. Instead, Moses makes it very, very clear, y'all, That in his story, he is not the hero. There is another hero who is the only hero, and that is God. This brings me to the second reason why our story matters, and the second reason is because God is the hero of our story. Because God is the hero of our story. In, this, in these verses, we see Moses give three reasons why God is the hero of his story and Israel's story. He says first that God is knowable. He uses the covenant name Lord or Yahweh to describe God. In other words, unlike what the deists say or unlike what other religions may say about God, God is not some sort of transcendent being, all supreme being who doesn't care about you, who's out there somewhere in the universe. No, God is close and God is noble and he's made himself known to anybody who wants to know him. God is knowable. Second, he says God is faithful. Notice he says that God did all of these things for Israel's sake, because he is faithful to his people, and he's faithful to his promises. And lastly, he says God is able, that he is able. Not only is this God relational, not only is he knowable, not only is he faithful, but he is able, he is supreme, ruling over all creation. I was just reflecting on this. Imagine the stars in the sky and and all space just being clothes that he wears. Imagine the Grand Canyon just being in the palm of his hands. This God is able to not only fight, but also to win against the greatest kingdom of Moses' time. Now, Fielder Church, the very God who is the hero of Moses' story is the same God who is a hero of our story. Why do we believe that? Because the gospel tells us that this God took on human flesh and he made himself noble to us. He became a man, Jesus Christ, who knew all of our weaknesses, all of our struggles, all our sorrows and our joys. And yet, This Jesus, despite having all of our weaknesses, lived a perfect life, perfectly fulfilling all of God's laws and his promises. And yet in the end, despite being innocent, Jesus chose to give up his life for sin that he did not commit. And why? Because he is faithful to you and to me. Jesus died to deliver you and me from the bondage of our sins. 
As the old preachers say, they hung him high and they stretched him wide. He hung his head. And for me, he died. But just like every awesome superhero story, Jesus did not stay dead, y'all. Our hero rose from the dead three days later, victorious, able to conquer Satan, sin, and death once and for all. His resurrection being heaven's receipt, the price of our sins has been paid fully, freely, and forever, church. Can we get an amen to that? Some of y'all missed your shouting moment right there. (laughs) In other words, Jesus gave his life to give you a new story to tell. He has given you a new story. And this is why only Jesus is worthy to be the hero of our story. The question is, are you willing to receive Jesus as your hero? Are you willing to to receive Jesus as the hero of your story, to make his story your story? For some of you, you guys have never done that. You never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to tell you that if when the, on the day that you find yourself needing rescue, he is right there for you. He's not going anywhere. And if you want to make a decision today to receive Jesus as your hero, you are welcome after service or after the sermon. We will have people here who will be honored to pray with you. But for others of us, who have been Christians for a minute, I think this question of who is your hero is also still worthy of consideration. If you're being honest with yourself, who is the hero of your story? And how do I know who the hero of your story or my story is? Who is the one who is actually in control of your life? At night, do you find yourself anxious, feeling like the weight of your life is fully on your shoulders? feeling like you are losing control. Maybe the weight of, maybe the reason why the weight of your life feels unbearable is because it's not a weight for you to bear. You see, this is the truth that I had to recognize in my own story. I had to realize and to accept the fact that I was never meant to be the hero of my story. I was never meant to be the one who does the saving. I was never meant to be the one in control. Jesus is. And only Jesus. And y'all, while surrendering control of my life is, has been hard and humbling, it's also been incredibly freeing. Because, you know, as I even just walk through life, I realize that the hero that my wife and my kids need is not me, it's Jesus. The hero that our church plant needs is not me, it's Jesus. And the hero that I need, day after day, hour after hour, is not me. It's Jesus. I was never meant to carry that weight. I was never meant to be in control. But you see, when you say yes to Jesus as a hero of your story, your victory in Christ is certain. And your hope is secure. There's nothing 
that can separate you from the love of God. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Our stories matter because God is a hero of our story. Let's look at the last reason, starting in verse 9. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so what is the result of Moses sharing his story? We see Jethro praising Israel's God as the one true God. And he praises him for the good. He says the good that he has done, God has done for his people. And what is this good that he's talking about? In Jethro's Declaration, there's three times he mentions the word deliverance. He delivered them. He delivered them. He delivered them. In other words, the Lord is worthy of praise because the Lord has delivered us. Now, there's two things I want to note about the Lord's deliverance. First, is a recognition that the Lord doesn't just deliver his people out of trials. He delivers his people through the trials. Some of you guys are looking a little lost right there, okay? God could have easily, he's so sovereign and so able, he could have just said, zap it, and his people, like, he could have just, like, transported them from Egypt to the promised land. And yet he chose not to do that. He said, no, my people, I'm going to have you go through the plagues, go through the trials, go through these experiences the long way. And why does God do that? Because you see, our Lord, the Lord loves to turn our trials into our testimony. He wants to give you a story to tell. You see, if Moses had not faced trials, there would have been no deliverance. And without deliverance, there would have been no testimony for Moses to tell Jethro. You see, sometimes when we're going through trials in our life, and maybe that's you today, you are going through some trials. We tend to pray, God, would you take me out of this situation? Would you remove the the challenge and the hardship? And God doesn't do that. And maybe you're feeling a little salty this morning. While I can't tell you why he's not removing you from that trial, I can tell you he wants to deliver you through that trial. And to give you a story, a testimony to tell. God is working in your waiting to turn your trial into your testimony. If you will just wait for him. If you will just trust him. And as a result of Moses' testimony, Jethro recognizes and worships the Lord as God. He says in verse 11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. In other words, Moses' story had inspired a change in Jethro's story. This brings us to the third and final reasons why our stories matter. Our stories matter because our story inspires other stories. 
Our story inspires other stories. Listen, if you live life for a minute, you've probably seen this. Nothing inspires life change more than life change. Nothing inspires us to want to change more than seeing the change in someone else's life. Are you with me? And this happens because we're meant to tell our story. At Icon, we have a discipline, a, a kind of a, a routine thing that we do in our community groups. We have, uh, what we love to do is have life story celebrations. And I remember when we first started these life story celebrations, um, the community group leader uh, who I was walking with through it, he was nervous and he was scared about sharing his story with other people. But as a good leader, he was like, man, I'm going to step into this to share my story with guys who I went to college with. And as he did, there was another lady who had recently joined Icon or church who had started coming out to this group who heard his story. And this lady, y'all, is an extreme introvert. She's probably feeling all sorts of anxiety right now just knowing that I'm talking about her in third person. All right? Um, and she was shocked. And she was like, do I need to tell my story too? And we're like, no, no pressure. <laughs> but over a couple of months, she started to get a conviction that she too was meant to share her story. And so one evening, we had another life story celebration. And this lady courageously took the step to share her story and how Jesus changed her life. But little did she know before, months before, two of her friends who did not know Jesus were, the, were willing to come and hear her story. And even though they did not receive Jesus that night, even though they did not say yes that night, they saw clearly the beauty of Jesus through their friend's story. And they were inspired, y'all. You see, nothing inspires life change more than life change. And our stories inspire the stories of others. So as we bring all these things kind of to closure, the, I want to give you one key takeaway, one main point for you this morning, and it's this. Each one of us has a God story to tell. Each one of us has a God story to tell. And how do I know this? Because Jesus gave his very life to give you the story. Your story was so precious to him. He was willing to give his life for it. Now, some of you guys may be wondering, man, how, Dave, how, how do you tell your story? Like, I want to tell my story to someone. I'm thinking about someone right now. But how do I tell my story? And so as I close, I actually want to share a story that happened to me yesterday, which I did not prepare until, like, late last night. <laughs> last night, I was on my way to Fielder, um, and uh, for a dinner meeting. And I was on George Bush Turnpike going around 70-something-plus miles, right, uh, on the highway, when all of a sudden my back tire blew out. And then I was trying my best to keep the car straight and to not do anything sudden, but then the, then the back of my car started to swerve, and I hit that concrete a barrier in the middle of the highway, and my car went spinning towards the middle, the very middle of the interstate. Now, a little bit later on, 
with, all, with the airbags deployed, thankfully it was the side and not the front, otherwise you would see a very different face today. <laughs> and uh, with the car smoking, I realized I'm okay. A little bit after that, I was in the uh, tow truck with the driver, and he asked me, hey, how are you feeling? And after taking a little bit a moment to really ask myself that question, all I could say to him was I was feeling grateful. Grateful to God. Why? I was grateful that my car had not flipped over. I was grateful that there were no other cars that hit me and there were no other people who were hurt. I was grateful that other than my ears ringing and my body aching, I was just fine. I was grateful that this, ha- this accident happened on Saturday afternoon instead of Sunday morning, otherwise you would have a different speaker this morning. I was grateful that I got to see my wife and my kids another day. I was grateful that I had friends who reached out to me to see if they could help. And y'all, I was grateful that even in moments like this when life feels out of control, I don't need to be the one in control. Because I have a hero who holds my life in the palm of his hands. Jesus Christ, who has loved me to the end. And you know what's really strange? In that moment of gratitude, I felt like the Lord was saying, Dave, do you see how much I love you? You've done nothing to earn it. You have done nothing to deserve it. But I love you. Jesus is the hero of my story. He's the one worth living for. The question as I close today is, are you willing to make him your hero as well?